Hello and welcome to In the Wings, your look into the inside world of opera. I'm your host, Emily Deal Reader, and I'd like to welcome you to this very first episode of the show. In this podcast, we explore the huge and wonderful art form that is opera, and we talk to the people who make it their lives, both on and off stage. This podcast is brought to you by the Calgary Concert Opera Company. And so we're going to start with a series of episodes on their upcoming production of La Traviata, Giuseppe Verdi's ever-popular piece about the life, love, and death by tuberculosis of Violetta Valeri. Those performances will be on September 15th and 16th, 2018, and there will be information on buying tickets in the show notes. Coming up on this episode, I have two interviews for you. I had the opportunity to speak to both the wonderful sopranos portraying the lead role of Violetta, Kathleen Morrison and Linda Faye Miller, both experienced veterans of the opera stage. We'll discuss their approaches to the challenge that is Violetta, as well as what they love about opera. These women are incredible creative forces, and I can't wait to share their insights with you. Before we get into those interviews, though, let's start with some of the history of La Traviata and what this opera is all about. La Traviata was premiered on March 6, 1853, in Venice. It was composed by Giuseppe Verdi, and the libretto is based on La Dame aux Camélias by Alexandre Dumas-Fils, premiered only a year earlier, in 1852. The opera opens in the salon of Violetta Valeri, a famous Parisian courtesan. She is throwing a party. Among the guests is Alfredo Germont, a young man who has been in love with Violetta for some time now. Violetta calls for a toast. She asks her current lover, Baron Dufol, to lead it, but he declines. She then asks Alfredo. Alfredo agrees, and we hear the first big hit of the opera, the Brindisi, also frequently called the Libiamo. After Alfredo and Violetta, along with the party guests, sing this rousing drinking song, the guests retreat to another room for dancing. Violetta has a coughing fit and sends them on without her. Alfredo stays behind and expresses his love for her. She at first rejects him, accustomed to love as a fleeting, meaningless thing, but then she changes her mind, gives him a flower, and tells him to return the next day. After he leaves, she wonders if he could be the one. But she decides that no, she must always be free. Act two begins in a country house outside Paris three months later. Alfredo and Violetta are living together. They have fallen in love, and Violetta has left behind her life in Paris. While Violetta is out, Alfredo speaks with Anina, Violetta's maid, and he discovers that Violetta has sold all of her belongings in order to support their country life. He leaves for Paris to settle the finances himself. When Violetta returns, Anina gives her an invitation to a party that night in Paris, hosted by Violetta's friend Flora. She then receives a visitor, Giorgio Germont, Alfredo's father. Monsieur Germont has come to make a difficult request of Violetta, that she break off her relationship with his son because his daughter's engagement is being threatened by Violetta's reputation as a courtesan. Violetta is deeply torn, but eventually agrees. She writes a farewell letter to Alfredo, but is interrupted when he arrives back from Paris. 
She tells him she loves him, unconditionally and forever, and then rushes out. After reading the letter, Alfredo too receives a visit from his father, who attempts to console him by reminding him of his family in Provence. Alfredo is unconvinced, and suspects furthermore that the Baron is somehow behind this unexpected separation, especially as he spies the party invitation on Violetta's desk. He decides to confront her and returns to Paris. At Flora's party, the guests are shocked to hear that Violetta and Alfredo have separated. After a pair of entertaining group musical numbers, Alfredo challenges the Baron to a game of cards, proclaiming that he will spend his winnings to take Violetta home with him. He wins a significant amount of money, but before anything can go any further, Flora announces that supper is ready. Everyone departs, except for Violetta and Alfredo. Violetta asks Alfredo to leave, afraid that the anger between him and the Baron will lead to a duel. Alfredo does not understand. He asks Violetta if she loves the Baron. Attempting to convince him to leave, she admits that she does. Furious, he calls the guests back in and humiliates Violetta in front of them, throwing his winnings at her feet in a so-called payment for her services. The guests are horrified and begin to shout him down, but the scene comes to a screeching halt as Alfredo's father arrives and, as he understands what's actually happening, reprimands his son sharply. The act ends with a gorgeous ensemble piece. Act 3. We are in Violetta's bedroom. Her doctor informs Anina that Violetta does not have long to live. Violetta reads a letter from Germain. He has told Alfredo everything, and Alfredo is coming to see her and beg her forgiveness. Violetta knows it will come too late. She sings her final aria, Addio del Passato, bidding goodbye to the beautiful memories and dreams of the past. Alfredo arrives, and the lovers sing a duet, promising to leave Paris and live happily in the countryside again. Violetta puts an end to the dreaming and laments her coming death, but then she is revived. The pain is gone, she is better, she can live again. And she collapses seconds later, dying in Alfredo's arms. Thus ends the story of Violetta Valéry. Verdi chose Dumas' play because he wanted a contemporary subject, something that spoke to the world he lived in. Unfortunately, the Venetian authorities found the subject matter to be slightly too modern, as it were, and so while Verdi wanted the premiere production set in the 1850s, the censors disagreed, and the premiere production was set in the early 1700s. It wasn't until three decades later, in the 1880s, that Verdi got his wish, and productions began to be set in contemporary times. Now that you have some context, it's time to get into the interviews. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I had the chance to chat with both sopranos singing Violetta in the CCOC's upcoming production of La Traviata. We'll start with Kathleen Morrison, who will sing Violetta at the Calgary performance on September 15th. Kathleen began her career in classical singing at the University of Lethbridge, taking a fascinating journey to get there, which we'll cover in another episode. After Lethbridge, Ms. Morrison studied in Vancouver, and then spent six years working in Germany. She recently returned to Canada. The 
Vi's been in my, sort of in my fold for a good couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a chance to sing her uh, in concert format in Germany quite a few times. Okay. But excerpts. So, you know, act one and act two. Or just act three. Or the Libiamo or right. whatever. Right. And then my first full crack at her was this past March up in Edmonton with Mercury Opera. We did Traviata in this amazing venue. It was a strip club up in Edmonton. Chapier, which is now fully ingrained in my heart. <laughs> this little strip club that could. It was a smash. I mean, it was a small, intimate venue, and it was so good to be able to finally sing her from top to bottom and to sort of be able to go through that whole spectrum of what she is in front of people that just cared so deeply about the story in a venue that matched so perfectly what she's about. So take me through your journey with her as you first met her when like mm-hmm. from 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 the very beginning. You know, the first time you saw Traviata on stage, mm-hmm. the first time you met her, what did you think of her? And then when you first started to tackle her yourself, yes. what was that like? She's been in your life for several years now. Yeah, for quite a long time actually and it's it's kind of interesting that people can hear in your voice things that you don't necessarily hear. So, I mean, I've been singing her and singing those arias and, you know, the, the Libiamo and duets since I was doing my bachelor's, which probably was not the best of ideas, but <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, it was, it was a good way to look forward. Funny enough, Traviata was the first opera that I had seen. It was Traviata and Carmen back-to-back. I just was completely, completely blown away that this creation that was on stage was able to speak directly to me. And I I didn't read a single subtitle. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't take my eyes off of the performers. And it didn't have to. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew that this woman that was on stage was was this creature who was trying her best to make it in the world and who was so protective and so careful with what she showed to the world that that was her downfall for so long. So when she finally has a chance to to experience love and to see love and then to have it end so badly was just heart-wrenching for me. It's hard because Vi is someone to me who is is just a true expression of every single woman. Every single woman wears so many different masks day to day. Yes, it's in Paris. Yes, she's a courtesan. It doesn't matter. We all have these faces that we that we wear, whether it's with our boyfriend or with our boss, or when we're you know, out at the grocery store, or when we're in auditions, or we're dealing with people that we don't know. We're always wearing these masks, and she is a great example of that, of doing that to perfection, to preserve her her existence without a man, you know, a man steady, shall we say. But she, she to me is just, she's every woman, she really is, and every woman that sees that opera or hears those excerpts can relate to her a little bit. Because every single person, and not just women, but men too, can look at her and say, okay, I felt jealousy. I felt rage. I've broken my own heart breaking someone else's. 
I've, I've been the person that's been totally destroyed in a relationship. I've been the person who is the life of the party and has to wear that beautiful mask and make everyone feel comfortable and, and facilitate that party. And trying to do all of those in perfection. It really struck me after seeing that, you know, Verdi was able to take that story and to put the music to it so perfectly that under everything you still saw this little grain of truth in Vi and she was really just this beautiful creature who was just living her honest life trying to take care. And then when she found love she was trying so hard to take care of it that it was to the detriment of her own happiness. And then throw in there, you know, consumption or any kind of illness and then you've just got this tragedy that destroys you emotionally. You know, it's... Uh, it's perfection. It's probably one of the most perfect operas ever written. Has your perception or understanding of her changed over time, become deeper in any particular way? What, what changed for you, if anything, when you started putting her on stage yourself? Yeah. Approaching her, obviously, in my 20s is much different now in my 30s and will be much different when I'm in my 40s. It's going to keep adding layers, which is what she is. And the first time you approach her, you think, okay, she's just, she's just Satine from Moulin Rouge. She's just a superficial creature who, you know, falls in love and maybe takes advantage of him, but maybe felt something and then died too soon. So it's very, very just scratching the surface. And then as soon as you get a chance to be on stage, and when your instrument is cooperating with you and your body's cooperating with you and you have this orchestra that's behind you that is supporting you with this amazing music that is just, it's almost like you're standing on top of a mountain. It's how powerful you feel. All of that comes together and then you realize, whoa, no, 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 no. There is nothing superficial about this girl. There is nothing, and to approach it that way is almost shameful, and I almost feel bad the first ways that I portray her, right? I come to Vi and I come to all of my other girls in my fold as someone who is a reflection of me, who I can put my experiences into her. You know, when she when she's pleading with Alfredo in Act Two and she says, Ama mi Alfredo, love me Alfredo, and she's breaking down and crying. I've been in that situation now. You can take that and you can throw that on, onto the stage and just trust that everyone there is going to feel it and that so many people in that audience have felt it too, that it's a safe place for you to, to show those raw emotions. It becomes a powerful avenue and I think that the other great thing about this opera, because it's done so many times, all over the place, all over the place. <laughs> I think what's what's beautiful about it is that every single person, every single Violetta brings something brand new to the role. So you can watch, for example, you can watch Netrebko at the Met, you know, in the really fantastic Willie Decker production, and you can see her and, and she is just vomiting emotion. And then you can watch someone like Damrau take more of a, a reserved a, a bit more of a, a technical approach and then you see the subtle nuances in and maybe something that was clouded by emotion with Netrebko but becomes clear with Damrau. This is the thing that I love and I love 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 that Linda is my compatriot in this because I know that we have the same 
were gifted this, this same beast. And my interpretation and her interpretation are going to be so different, but so similar in its core and its values that it's really going to be such a treat to see. Is it very different stepping into her shoes? Or does it feel very natural? Has that changed over time? What's that like? Yeah. Stepping into Vi now is pretty, I wouldn't say easy, but it's much more comfortable because I've gone through so much more of what she's gone through. It's not, well, it's, it's easy to go there. It's not easy, easy emotionally to be there and to exist there, to be able to deliver a performance that is not only technically acceptable, but also emotionally acceptable. So she's very, very dear to me right now. She's very, you know, I, I care for her almost like a little baby chick. She needs attention and she needs lots of care and you have to be so gentle with her dealing with other people when we're interacting and doing the duets and, and choruses and ensembles and it's very very um sort of rewarding and it's a great honor but a very heavy honor to take her on because now that i've grown with her and now that i've i've lived with her for so long i realize that she's She's a big responsibility and she's, she's so complex that you really have to give her your respect. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. What's really beautiful about this performance that we're doing is that we've got these artists that are working with us, with me and with Linda and, and with Barb's company, the CCOC, that appreciate that and aren't just doing it to say, okay, here's a role. Okay, I'm learning this. Okay, I'm doing this. Every single person in this group that I have the privilege of working with, and that's what it is, it's a privilege, is taking it so seriously and just really inhabiting these people who sometimes are not the nicest people. And you have to sort of go there and, and be able to step out of them, but they're still in the background. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's something I notice about a lot of Verdi characters, oh, yeah. is that nobody's nice all the time, no. right? I don't think I can think of a single opera of his where there's a simple character or a character who isn't human. Yeah, absolutely. His characters are so human. That is the reason why they resonate not only with us as performers, yeah. because we can, like you've said so many times, you can see yourself in them, mm -hmm. and you can then reflect that back to the audience who then sees themselves in yes. that. Yeah. Right, and I think that's why he was drawn to libretti from from Shakespeare, from yeah. others. Right, where where you see this great meeting of the minds of these reflections of humanity. Yeah, and that's just it because, you know, as I've said before, everyone has felt these emotions. Everyone has fallen in love. Everyone's been in lust. Everyone has felt the the sting of rejection. Everyone has felt rage, and anger, and jealousy, and. You know, everyone has felt in their lives the, the, the sort of despair that life has to give you every once in a while. So when we can present these characters and present it with, with my experiences in that, you're going to pick up on that. You're going to know, even without knowing what we're saying, you're going to know exactly why Violetta's heart is breaking, why she's flippant to this guy and has her party mask on, or why she's she's in this moment 
feeling so tender towards Jamon, the elder Jamon. You're, you're going to know because you've been in those situations. It's really amazing to me that, that Verdi was able to capture that and to have it reflected in the music because even just the book itself is pretty fantastic. But when you combine that with the acting, with the language, with the staging, with the music, with the orchestra, with all of these you know, hundreds of people that have gone through the same thing, feeling the same thing in this wonderful moment where everyone comes together and just experiences what it's like to be human. It's powerful and it's a pretty awesome job to have. I think that that, for me, is what's always beautiful about it because every time I get up there and sing, you find something different. You find yourself trying not to cry at different spots. You find yourself interacting with Germain, different spaces, getting angry, whereas other guys that I've sang it with, I was getting upset or I'd get, I'd shy away or something. But every dynamic changes with every single person that you're interacting with, with the conductor too, different music. I feel like it's a real gift to be able to be on that stage and to just throw yourself into an experience that everyone has felt. Because opera runs on raw emotions. That's what it comes down to. That's why it's existed for so long. You don't have to know what we're saying. You can just feel it and you can feel it with every fiber of your being. Many thanks again to Kathleen Morrison for taking the time to chat with me. The next interview I have for you is with Linda Faye Miller who will sing Violetta in Okotoks on September 16th. Linda studied in Toronto and then New York before landing an appearance in Martin Scorsese's film Age of Innocence, which kicked off an international career. We'll have more on that interesting anecdote in another episode, but first let's talk to Linda about Violetta. But over the last few years, I, I went away from singing. And then I've also come back to it because you just can't not. And so over these last few years, I've been working with Francis Ginzer and that has made like every, every little hole that I had in my technique has now been filled. And it's exciting because, because my voice is, is really fresh and healthy because I haven't had uh, you know, because I took that time away and Violetta is like the perfect role for me. Perfect role for my voice type. Um, it's so many things about it, I just, it's just a really good fit. How do you see Violetta? Tell me about her. Well, I see Violetta as a, a conundrum of powerful and frail. She's frail because she's really sick. She's, you know, in the latter stages of tuberculosis at the beginning of the opera. And of course it takes her. But she is a self-made woman. By the time she's 23 years old, she has Parisian society in reverence of her, in her position as courtesan. And the, you know, that particular character on which the play was based, on which the opera was based, she was sought after 
by you know noblemen and famous people and artists all over Europe because she was she'd hired a tutor she became very well versed in topics that would interest the men she was with on an intellectual level and I just think that she given the life that she was sort of dropped into which was you know I think her uncle sold her to gypsies or something um, you know really great start when she was very young like 14 or something um, given all of that I think she she was powerful and we see that in in a few places in the opera like where Germont comes to chastise her and you know tell her you've you've really you have to quit with Alfredo because there's this this marriage gonna that's going to happen and it's not going to happen if if his um, station is sullied by this relationship with you and blah 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 and she says to him this is my house before they start into the whole thing she said this I am a woman in my own house and I'm going to ask you to leave for your sake if not for mine and I, I just I just love the the presence that she carries and you see it in in moments like that of course a lot of the opera she's really sick and and she's also lovesick for the first time where you know she didn't realize you could actually love one of these guys you know and and you could be all twitter pated <laughs> that's a disney term you know she didn't hadn't experienced that I've experienced that I've experienced that that kind of being in love where you have no vision for how the rest of the world might not like it or might have something to say about whether or not this was this is a relationship that should be or is sustainable or any of that I know that feeling I have lived that and I have lived losing someone I love very dearly so I I know that too um, and she she rallies until she loses him and then she can't and that's when she's overtaken but there's these moments where her spirit just comes through even though she's coughing up blood her spirit just comes through and i just i just love her so would you say that to some degree her figurative shoes feel familiar to you well i've never been a prostitute um, <laughs> so in that sense, that's not familiar, but there are aspects of her life that are familiar to me. 
and that I can certainly imagine. I can imagine the rest. I can empathize and I can see her in the context of the time and what, you know, what happened to young women of her station um, at that time. I, I can understand it. On the flip side, would you say, you know, imagining those parts that you're not familiar with, has that been particularly challenging or where, where does the balance lie? Because I'm thinking about, you know, the things that you said about being an independent woman, being strong in your own spirit. Those are things that I, that I see in what the, the small amount you've told me about yourself. And so I'm seeing those perils there that I feel like you would be able to grab onto. Yes. But, you know, is that... Does that tip the scales? Is is Violetta a, a difficult character to play, or does she feel you know it's someone you're familiar with? Verity does such an incredible job of embodying her character and the state of her health and her emotions in the music. That really that that fills in the gaps to just sink into the music and hear what Verdi, how Verdi portrays it musically. And it's perfect. Like there are sections where there's all these staccati, you know, and you're like, why? At first you're like, why is, is there this staccato business? Well, it's he expresses her sobbing. He expresses her coughing, her lack of breath, her waning strength in in the music. So, so that's how I I fill in the blanks. What I what I don't understand, I look to Verdi, and he shows me. How are you approaching the extra challenges of performing this in a concert setting? The thing is, the music carries the drama so beautifully. Really, you can stand there and sing it and not move anywhere. And it's, it's just there. Well, I'd just like to say that I love how the Calgary Concert Opera Company is doing for opera, which is, you know, bring it closer to people. Whether it's in concert form, it doesn't matter. The point is that people then hear the singing and they go, whoa. Or they hear the music and they go, oh my God, that's so exciting. Last year, we did the Anvil Chorus at the end, and it was incredibly exciting. Like, the audience was just kind of like, oh my god, you know? We're in the same room with this, and it's huge and, and exciting. So, so I think that that's, I think it's a really great service that they're doing for our community and and for the artists that are are participating
Thanks, Linda. That brings us to the end of this episode, beginning our exploration of La Traviata in anticipation of the Calgary Concert Opera Company's production this upcoming September 2018. For dates and more info, please see the show notes. On our next episode, I'll be bringing you interviews with Ian Fenditis, who will be playing both the Baron and the Doctor, and Adam Brousseau, who is playing Germont. We will also have a little chat about consumption. Thanks for joining me backstage today on In the Wings. We'll be back in two weeks. Toy, toy, toy! You've been listening to In the Wings, a production of the Calgary Concert Opera Company. I'm Emily Deal Reader, your host. If you liked the show, please leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you found us, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or any other streaming service. Your reviews keep us on the charts, which helps new listeners find us. You can also find us on Twitter, at InTheWingsPod, and you can also like our Facebook page, In the Wings Podcast. Comments? Questions? Drop us a line at inthewingspod at gmail.com. In the Wings is a production of the Calgary Concert Opera Company, produced, directed, written, and hosted by Emily Deal Reader in Calgary, Alberta. Special thanks to our guests this week, Kathleen Morrison and Linda Faye Miller. <laughs> <laughs>